between to the butt. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark four, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today, freshly recovered, or recovered-ish, you might say, from the big bad stuff we're not going to say, because I think if we say that word, we, you know, it gets surprised. I don't know. But the thing with the stuff that we all know, it's the one and only Merzane. What's happening, my guy? I feel like we're halfway there. Halfway to recovery? (laughs) Yeah, we're still not great. Not 100%. Uh... But we're feeling a lot better. But doing better. Good. Yeah, no, that's good. Doing doing a lot better is better than not doing better. Right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I did an episode of my podcast, and I had to mute myself every 10 seconds to cough. So that, that shouldn't happen here. Good. That, good. that has uh, gone from 10 seconds to maybe once every few minutes. All right, then. good. The coughing has abated. That's good to the know. coughing is starting to go away. But the more we talk about it, the more we're like, oh, oh no, oh. That's why you gotta have that water on standby, just right there. You know what I mean? I have had so much Gatorade the past few weeks. I believe past, it. the past week, just so much Gatorade. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta stay hydrated, dude. You know, this—that's the thing. Gotta stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of hydrating people with content for Marvel Crisis Protocol, we have Great a lot story. to talk about today, and we're gonna start it off with. The panel to play that was released, I guess, yesterday, and then we're going to talk about X-23, and we're going to talk about Honey Badger. So, first topic here, confirmed, we haven't really discussed it so much on this show, because I kind of wanted to wait until we got more hard information, and we finally have that now, Merzane, and that is that what AMG is calling grunts are coming to Marvel Crisis Protocol. We had the reveal for Nick Fury and I guess the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whatever they're going to be called. We had the reveal for them. And then yesterday we got the official reveal for Shadowland Daredevil and the Hand Ninjas as well as Elektra. So, yeah, this this is pretty crazy. And is this something that you saw coming? Um, Not really. I, I've, I had a feeling we would see Nick Fury eventually. He's not so much art. He's so important. Uh, right. I didn't see minions or grunts coming. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know how they would do it. So that that kind of shocked me when they were when it was announced with that. Same, and I I kind of didn't see it coming either because I'm I did a show a long time ago. I don't even remember how long ago it was. Talking about the idea of henchmen and minions in Crisis Protocol, and I'm gonna be honest with the suits out there. I kind of hated the idea of it because to me this this game is about superhero battles, right? Like it's not about some unnamed agent 69 sitting over there on the sideline waiting to come in. 
I just pulled that number randomly out of a hat. I don't know why. I I know. Yes, you know. So it's not about that. It's not about the the hand ninjas or or whatever other you know doom bots or hydra troopers, aim scientists, any of this stuff. To me, this game is not about that kind of thing. And while those things are prevalent in the Marvel universe as a whole. I just didn't feel like there was a space for them within the construct of Crisis Protocol, and I felt like that it might take some of the fun away from the superhero battle aspect to have these piddly little characters out there, right? So yeah. that that was kind of my initial thoughts, and I still kind of have that a little bit, but... This panel to play that is on the Atomic Mass Games website, or you can find it on our Facebook page. We made a post about it. You can check it out there. And this post gives me some hope, you might say, a little bit, little bit of hopium, if you will. A <laughs> little bit of hopium for a little bit of hopium. this mechanic. And the reason being is it says that these characters are tied to a parent character. So it's not like we're going to have a bunch of spammy one-threat models out there all over the tabletop, which I really like. And they are kind of... They can't really stand out on their own. If you KO a grunt, the parent character isn't hurt at all. However, if a parent character gets KO'd, well, then the grunt's KO'd also... And they're kind of meant to have like a seemingly a specific role on the tabletop that they can kind of do a couple of little cool things and then not really do much. I mean, what did what did you get from this? Like, what what kind of information would you say you gleaned from this article? Well, I'm I'm kind of with. I want to. I kind of want to get my opinion. Like my original stance. I was right with you. Like I didn't want this game to turn into i took leadership modok with eight aim grunts and one other guy and i'm aimed because i have nine aim models and uh this other idiot which of course is just, just throwing affiliation and stuff out of out of the ether obviously we don't have a aim or leadership modok but yeah that's what people were talking about like well that doesn't sound like fun like i don't want to kill a bunch of idiots i want to go beat up on Thor or go beat up on Modok himself. Right. That's, that's the cool part of it. The cool part of the Avengers movies isn't when they wade through a hundred million Ultron bots. It's when Ultron shows up and says something and they battle it out. Like that's the cool part uh, to me anyway. Um, so I went, I didn't like the idea, but the way they've done it here, you're talking about it being one, you have to bring the right character with the, with the parent character. And two, it's one base, and it's one set of grunts at a time. So I'm not going to be able to take the two that we have out. We can't take both. Of the, they both can't be on the table at the same time. And it sounds like they can kind of be called and dismissed at will. And that's a cool idea. You know, hey, get out of here, idiots. Okay, I need you back. Mm-hmm. So it sounds almost like an, it's it's less like you're taking another model and more like you're – more like – a more complicated version of Magneto's constructs, and that I'm really okay with. 
especially the big thing too is that they activate with their character and they're all on one base yeah. three agents of shield model is on one base not i took three separate models they activate three separate times and ruin the action economy of the game yeah here's the part of this that i'm that gives me the most bit of hope is they cannot gain or have power they cannot play or be chosen by allied team tactics cards because we all know that there are some very potent team tactics cards out there and you know i could just see some crazy world where obviously these aren't this wouldn't apply to these characters per se but some crazy world where we had some like random asgard soldiers like i know somebody said the warriors 3 could be like a grunts type character right and now all of a sudden they get doom prophecy and are just destroying everybody and like yeah so that's just one example but like i'm really glad that something like that is not going to happen and it says that you can't just activate a grunt willy-nilly so like let's say that i've got nick fury on my team he's got his grunts out and i want to activate the grunts do a couple other things then activate nick fury it doesn't sound like you can do that when a parent character is chosen to activate, if they have a grunt character in play, the grunts take their activation immediately as part of the parent activation. So you have to activate the grunts and the parent character simultaneously. And I really like that bit of a restriction on it. Yeah, I, I, that is exactly how I, I, I think it should be handled. Um, you know, the commander commands them as he moves as part of his whole shtick rather than, you know, them going first and then him getting to capitalize or vice versa. Uh, and it helped like, like also an action economy, like with lists like Sam spam, people have started to realize, you know, Oh, well, if I have like this many more characters in my opponent and I can do this many more things per round, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, I don't ever get priority, but I can do so much more especially with all these characters are doing all these things. Yeah. And with them not counting for an activation, so you have there's a little bit more predictable. Um, and them being counted as unhealthy or as injured for um, like secures and stuff. That's another good thing. So someone doesn't... Nick Fury with his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. isn't like a mini criminal syndicate leadership. Right. He's just Nick Fury with some idiots that no one cares about and you can literally just ignore as long as you throw Nick Fury off the table off the point and your healthy guy is there you still got the point they're not they're not like crowding up on you like they're three guys mm -hmm. all, all of it seems like good all of my issues with the idea of grunts outside of the thematics of I really don't care about killing a bunch of idiots like are kind of kind of solved in this article I think yeah, so for me, I, I'm I'm going to dump a bit of cold water on it, so to speak, because I know that a lot of the discussion around this, especially out there on the Facebooks and on the Discords and the Twitterverses and all that stuff, has been ultimately positive. And after reading this article, like I said, give me a shot of hopium, right? Mm -hmm. But I still can't, I can't just... 
I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to just poo-poo it. But like, I got to see the rest of the cards before I can like kind of really get a sense of everything. And I want to see the specific rules text around these characters before I can. You know, like like what is it when you when they add it to the rules document, what does it say about grunts specifically? Like, I want to see that stuff to kind of really understand everything that these characters are going to be doing on the battlefield because. I just, like to your point, an action economy thing, like, yeah, okay, that you're not going to be able to to add an extra activation per se, but, you know, who knows how these things are going to be rolled into their parent characters, right? Like, let's assume mm-hmm. Nick Fury is a five-threat character. Who knows if he is or not? I don't know what threat he is, but let's just assume he's a five-threat character. Are these grunts rolled into that threat, or is Nick Fury a five-threat? threat character you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and that's the kind of thing that that would kind of worry me same thing with with shadowland daredevil you know is, is shadowland daredevil a, a three threat version of daredevil and is what he does intrinsically tied to his hand ninjas like th- those are are questions that i want to see answered before i truly get my hype meter pegged you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. I feel you. Like, I I want to read them. Oh, I, and, and to me, like, if they were, if they're, like I said earlier, if they're kind of like Magneto's constructs in terms of how, like, the impact stuff. Yeah, obviously a little bit more impactful because they're, they're they're supposed to be things like like living people <laughs> <Right>. helping out. <laughs> then you know that's a good that's good that's good. But if they're like literally like adding another good character for furry or whatever, you know that could be a problem. I, I don't want to. I don't want these grunt characters to be on every single table. Oh, absolutely. Because they're so good. I want them to be used when appropriate in the lists that they're appropriate or, the, or where, they're, where they're competitively appropriate or thematically appropriate. And I don't want, I don't want the, the former to be every list. Yeah. I, I want people to, when, when someone walks by, I think they're really cool models, except for rope guy. <laughs> rope guy looks awful. I'm sorry. Rope guy's stupid. <laughs> Uh, I think the hand ninjas are pretty cool. If I'm gonna be honest, the hand ninjas are really cool. They got that really good Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Yes, they're really over the top. They're really eye catching. The Agents of Shield, not so much. I mean, it looks like they're standing on little dookies. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It does. I'm just like, why do you need so much rope? What's (laughs) happening? I get, I get it. I will say, like, I get what you're going for. I just, it's a bit of a miss, but I get it. Nick Fury need them like. Like tie the Quinjet down so it doesn't float off or something. Yeah, I guess. is that what all this rope is for? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Just uh, I need, or the uh, the helicarrier. He's like, all right, we gotta, we need to tie the helicarrier to this. Uh, well, this I think also so it doesn't fly off. D- uh, and just to. I am a terrible painter, okay? Like, I'm not a good painter. But I also think part of it is, like, if those were, were black ropes, like you see, like, in the movies with the military people, you know, jumping out with the black ropes and then the rope detaches. Right, and right, they, right. You know, if it was a black rope, I think it would look a lot better. I feel like for clarity's sake on the table, they had to make them these big, ridiculous, light brown, cartoony ropes, which, like, I again, I appreciate for the Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Yes. God, do they look, they look really funny. <laughs> yeah. He, Anyways, and they're all—they're all standing on one. Uh, no. Well, it's ta- you know, first we had tactical, tactical rocks, rope. then we had tactical explosions. Now we got tactical rope dookies. Yep. And uh, 
the handy just have tactical smoke. That that's cool. Yeah, tactical, tactical smoke, smoke cool. is is way yeah very cool. Ninja vanish, you know. Yeah, I, I think if I, in the in the long run, I would rather someone see something like the hand ninjas on the table if they haven't ever played the game than the agents of shield. Absolutely. Or and I'd much rather on top of that hierarchy have them see a Modok or a Hulk model or a Thanos or Dormammu or one of the other really cool characters rather than like, hey, like, why do you have like 18 AIM models on the table? Yeah, and and that I think is kind of another little bit of the discussion and, and just a small piece of it is like someone's walking by the table and they see it, somebody's favorite character out there is Nick Fury, right? Like somebody out there, their favorite character is Nick Fury. That's great. I'm glad we're getting this character because this is an important character for the Marvel Universe as well. But if somebody's walking by and says, oh, that game looks cool, and they see these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents on the table, like, that's not as cool as, like you said, a Hulk or a Thor or a Wolverine, you know? So so I, I get that. You know what I mean? I feel that in my soul a little bit. Yeah, yeah I... I I think if they are handled one base at a time, I think we can deal with it. But I'm just, I just, like you said, I need to see it first. I need to, I need to know rules. I need to know how it's going to affect me or my opponent, depending on if I decide I want to play them. Right. Right. So, yeah, all in all, I think that there is, I'm way more, like I said earlier, I think hopium is, is the word for this one, right? It's way more hopium than doomium, if you will. (laughs) so so i feel that and it's a mechanic that this article eases my worries just a bit but i still need to see more i need i need more confirmation more more just just more to really kind of get a sense of what we're going to be dealing with with these characters and amg seemingly is acknowledging like look this is not something that is going to be a prevailing thing within crisis protocol this is just kind of very specific to very specific characters and maybe you could say it's a bit of an evolution within the game right like maybe maybe this is just the next step forward in mcp evolution you know like yeah and if it's good i won't mind seeing it other other places i that's like the infinity the infinity gems like I really like the idea of the Infinity Gems, and I hate we haven't seen more of them. Yeah. Yeah, I but, feel so, so I hope this, if this is a good mechanic, I hope it doesn't become a one-and-done kind of mechanic where they, they've released this wave of however many they're going to do. When I mean, we know two of right now, like, I imagine it's not just two if they made a whole new model type for it. Right. Um, but I hope it's not just the, like this set and then they never do it again. And then, you know, five years from now, like, you remember those really cool grunt mechanics? Like, why don't they expand on that? Why don't we get someone else? That would be really cool. Yeah, I, I, I want. It's definitely something that I want to see in the toolbox. But I also, even if it is cool, I don't want it to be everywhere. So. Oh no. Yeah. I, I don't. It, I don't want this to be how we get house party protocol in the game too, <laughs> or like Ultron bots, because. The thing with like those two is they are really like a flood of stuff, right? Right, exactly. Like a, a whole a whole army of Iron Man suits or a whole army of Ultron bots, and that looks cool on the table because of it's because of those characters and they're named characters and they're all you, you probably get them all visually distinct, right? 
Right. So I don't want to see three Iron Man, uh, three Iron Man or Ultron on a base. I want to see them <laughs> their own bases. Yeah, absolutely. I feel you on that. So suits, let us know what you think of this reveal and whether or not you think that it's going to be a really cool mechanic or not. And it's something that uh, I, I think a lot of people, like I said, when I posted the the article on Facebook, a lot of people seemed excited for it. And, you know, that's that's awesome. Like, whatever gets someone excited in this game, I think, is valuable. And I, I don't want to poo-poo that. And in no way would I sit here and tell anyone that they're wrong for being excited about something. Because, again, th- this game is wonderful. And in AMG, I trust. I trust them to get it right. And, you know, if it's not right, then I just don't have to play it. So there you go. <laughs> For me, anyway. I'll just yeah. ignore it exists. Yes. Just, you know, what are you talking about? What is this? Anyways, so moving on now, let us talk about these new character reveals that we've gotten recently. We've had two new characters. It's Honey Badger and X-23. And Merzane, I'd like to start with Honey Badger. What do you think? Sure. She's the one I didn't know existed until this reveal, so... <laughs> I'd yeah. love to talk about her. A little bit of an obscure character. I think she's like a clone of a clone is how it works out. Like, So X-23 is a clone of Wolverine, and I think Honey Badger is a clone of X-23, I think. I don't know how it works, if, but don't quote me on that. Is I, it kind of like every time you copy and paste like a picture, you lose some... It gets like grainier and... You lose some quality. Is that why, like, she only has one claw each? I, I guess, maybe? Is it the next time they co- if they copy-paste Honey Badger, are they going to have, like, half a claw? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be teeth. Yeah, they just get big teeth. <laughs> just, yeah. they come, it comes out their feet. It comes out of the feet. Well, I mean, Laura's comes out of her feet, so there you go. Oh, you're right. I, for, I forget that. Yeah. So, so the funny thing about that, anytime I think about, like, cloning and, like, the clone process getting worse and worse, I think about that Michael Keaton movie, Multiplicity. I've never seen that. You've never seen that? Oh my gosh. If you're not doing anything and you, look, it's a riot. It's not the best movie, but it's pretty funny. And Michael Keaton deserves a lot of credit for literally playing four or five different characters all of himself. There's another show, um, Orphan Black, that's very similar. It's got Tatiana Maslany, who's the woman who's going to play She-Hulk in the future. And uh, in Orphan Black, she plays a character who is multiple clones of the same person or whatever. And uh, there are times where they're all on screen at one time and you forget that she's the same person. That's like, awesome. You, you just see them next to each other and you're like, they interact with each other and you just buy that it's separate people. And then after, like midway through the scene, you realize, oh, this is all the same woman doing all this. <laughs> and it just becomes real. So I'm excited, a little tangent, but I'm excited for her and She-Hulk because because of the clone stuff. It was because of, super because good. She's clearly talented. She was very good. She really carried that show, I think. Nice. So, first things first, let's do our normal thing and talk about this model. And it's one that I think is pretty vanilla overall, but that's okay. I don't think it needs to be something crazy and dynamic, but I don't hate it. I don't love it, but like she's kind of standing there looking like she's ready for battle and stuff. Cool. That, like... Not every model is going to be something to write home about or we're going to push the envelope because, you know, you just can't. But she looks fine. She's supposed to be 
from what I under, what little I understand is she's supposed to be somewhat inexperienced and young. So her not having some crazy pose and some ridiculous outfit sort of makes sense. Yes, and uh, also she has a tactical rock underneath her heel. So the the tactical rock thing continues, and I love it. <laughs> it has to. It has it's, to. It's a meme at this point. It is a meme at this point. So now let's take a look at her card. We're talking about Honey Badger or Gabrielle Kenny. She has a top stat line of five stamina. She moves medium. She is size two with a threat value of two. She has a three physical defense, a two energy defense, and a two mystic defense. So, and it's worth noting also that she has a four stamina on her injured side. So, I think that puts her up there with some of the highest total health pool of two threat characters, right? I think Nebula has the same. Yeah, I think I think hers is four five instead of five four. Yeah, so this puts her in a pretty good spot in terms of health, and in terms of defenses, pretty standard fare for a two threat. Like it's a little bit of a weakness for her, especially given I think as we see what her role on the battlefield is going to be. But what do you think about that top stat line? I think it's pretty good for for two threat. Like. I, I'm not upset with anything yeah. on our stats. Like, I, her defenses aren't that bad. Like, like the, the difference between three and two is, like, I mean, how often do you roll, like, sub, sublime on three dice or right. amazing on two? Like, she's probably blocking one on all of it as far as I'm concerned, like yeah. most people. It helps keep her from getting too hurt uh, so other things can happen. Exactly. And one thing I want to mention real quick, I just realized that looking at going from the model to the card, their hair is different. She's got black hair on the card and uh-huh. brown hair on her model, and it's longer on the card. Yeah. I I'm so that. confused. <laughs> I know. Who, who knows? I guess somebody somebody looked at the art on, of one and was like, you know what? I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going to make this model my own. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it was, I, that was kind of jarring going back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty great. So, Merzane, would you like to talk about her attacks? Sure. They are, there's two of them. One for each threat, I guess. Uh, <laughs> her builder is a two-range, five-die physical claw slash. After resolve, she gains power for damage, and it's got wild bleed. Nice. Um, her second attack is a range two, five-strength, three-cost physical attack called Hamstring. If it deals damage after the attack is resolved, uh, the target character gains slow and bleed. And then on a wild, after the attack is resolved, this character may advance medium, elusive. Okay, those are, that's an interesting bit of an attack suite there. I think Claw Slash, we've seen it before, range two, five dice. That's pretty solid for a two-threat character. You know, you wish she had some kind of range, but obviously it makes sense that she doesn't. So I, I don't hate that. And then wild bleed, so if you're new here and you're just kind of getting into the game, bleed is a special condition that can be applied. And what it does is after a character activates, after their activation is over, they take one damage if they have the bleed condition, and it doesn't stack. And then hamstring also applies the slow condition, and what that does is it changes their moves, advances, stuff like that, to be a short. So 
For instance, if she were to pull hamstring off on a Ghost Rider, if he uses Hell on wheels, it's a short advance instead of a long advance. So That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. It is terrible, but it's a really good example of how powerful slow can be on some characters. <laughs> that's just that's the saddest Ghost Rider, let me tell you. Oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. But anyways, so what do you think of these attacks? Like, I think Claw Slash is solid, and you're probably going to use that a lot. And for a two threat character, it feels pretty good. Yeah, for a two threat, like five die, anything is pretty good. Like Rocket is pretty well liked because he has a five die attack. This one's a lot shorter range and a worse typing because energy's a little bit more physical. But sure. I mean, it's it's still good. Doesn't make it's nothing bad. Yeah, I wish her spender was six. Yeah, that's Strength. that's what I was going to say too. But you go ahead. And, what? What? Why do you wish her spender was six? I feel like slow and bleed and elusive are all very good, but she doesn't have very good odds to trigger them. And I feel like if I'm spending three power, I should be getting a little bit more oomph out of it. Because like, why wouldn't I just claw slash right? Exactly. Why would I not just build more power to spend tactics cards or her superpower? You know, it's it's a little awkward when... So, but, but that's kind of the problem with a lot of spenders in the game is a lot of them are quite up to par sometimes. Um, but typically they're more dice, which if you're like, well, I just need to make it work. I'll just roll more dice. With this one, you don't have that option. You're only applying it if you want slow or if you want the elusive, I think. Yeah, which I think the elusive is probably the better part of it. And if it was going to be, if elusive was going to be the appeal, I kind of wish it was a three range. Yeah. So she could like get six. If she could magical Christmas land get six power, she could hamstring someone, move a little bit, hamstring them from a little bit farther, and then move away again. Yeah. But overall, she's a she's a two threat. So I'm not asking for a whole bunch. And I think claw slash does more than enough to carry yeah. her her output weight. I agree with you, and I do see a scenario where she just is loaded up on power and does get the double hamstring situation off. I think that that's something that you'll probably see more common than you might think. At least when she's injured, yeah. Exactly. So, next up, let's talk about her superpowers. And first up, we have a reactive superpower, so that means there's a trigger, and we'll read what it says here, but it uh, can happen at different times, so check this out. Reactive superpower, too dangerous to ignore. It's going to cost you two power. When an enemy character within range two of this character targets another allied character with an attack, there's your trigger, this character may use this superpower. This character becomes the target of the attack regardless of range and line of sight. So, Merzane, we've seen a superpower like this before on Luke Cage and on Black Dwarf. So... It's kind of an inverse bodyguard. What it means is that Honey Badger here has to be within range two of the character making the attack, not range two of the character being attacked. Mm -hmm. And then they get to become the target of the attack. So kind of a nice little thing, kind of saves your bigger hitters sometimes. And uh, I think with this next one, we'll see why a, a superpower like this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoy the Too Dangerous to Ignore style of bodyguard on a lot of characters. It's appearing on characters you want in the fray. Right. And it's 
So like talk about Rocket again, like if Rocket's in the back line, I don't want him to be within range two of Honey Badger or Luke Cage because they're going to be like up in the mix. Exactly. So them still being able to take those attacks from that area is, is such a cool mechanic. I think it's great. I, I like it better than Bodyguard because I, I feel like it encourages a little bit more aggression, a little bit more uh, interaction, whereas Bodyguard sort of encourages you to sit back and just stand two guys on the same point or in the same zone and have them just chuck attacks at everybody from afar. And it's like, well, we, we saw that with Okoye and that wasn't very fun. Now she's a little bit worse. I mean, I had fun the, with her, but I see we, what you're saying. <laughs> I'm with you. I think it's pretty cool. I, I love it. Yeah. And it's two power, which I think she should have fairly regularly. So her next Superpower is an innate ability, so she always has this turned on, called Ankle Biter, which, what a wonderful name. I love it. (laughs) I mean, what a wonderful name. This character cannot contest, interact with, or hold objective tokens. That stinks. Additionally, when an enemy character within range one of this character is attacked by another allied character the enemy character rolls one less defense die. That is really interesting, I mm-hmm. think, because it stinks that she can't interact with objectives. That's 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 really not not cool. Like I'm I'm sad for that. However, this is a character that is going to be up in the fray, and if you get them to within range one of an enemy character that has already activated and you really want to kill that character, game on. And yeah. I I don't know I don't know how how you feel about this. I think she's a character that could potentially be easily forgotten in a scrum. And for me and how I play, this is just a, a personal playstyle thing, Rosanne, I'll see if this applies to you as well. I don't care if it's a five threat character or a three threat character or a two threat character, I want models and activations off the board. And I don't see myself, like if I'm playing Scarlet Witch, saying, well, I don't want to waste my Scarlet Witch activation getting this two threat character off the board. That seems like a waste. If it takes an activation away from my opponent, then I think it's a good thing. So, I, you know, but some people, a lot of people out there are like, oh yeah, sure, five threat character attacking a two threat I'll take it all day long how do you feel about that it it all depends on what the character is doing so honey badger is going to be really annoying with ankle biter exactly Uh, like nebula uh, nebula is probably a character that I play like you talk like kind of the inverse like I, I send her in and she's going to go attack a five threat or something and I don't care if they kill her but she's there to be annoying yeah. Or she's there to kill you. She's going to do one of the two things. She's going to annoy you and take damage. Or she's going to kill you. And then you have a bigger problem. I feel like Honey Badger is going to be in a similar a similar state. But she's going to help the rest of your team kill that person. Exactly. And she's going to help keep them safe at the same time. Um, so I, I like that idea of a cheap throw this character into the fray. There's a negative to them being to her standing there, and then uh, you also get punished for hitting her because you're giving her power to 
you're too dangerous to ignore. And then, you know, like you said, a lot of people are going to hate that. Oh, man, I can't believe my Scarlet Witch didn't kill her on the first shot. I had to she too dangerous to ignore the second shot. Uh huh. That and, and, that, and I think that kind of thing is is fun. And I, that's why I think this ankle biter is is going to really surprise people with this character. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, now all of a sudden you're you're leaving this character sitting there that it's going to make it to where you roll less defense. And with some of these characters that they don't have any way to manipulate dice and they have threes across the board defenses already, going down to two, having played Venom and having energy attacks thrown in my face constantly, you feel it. You feel it. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, well, now your Venom against her is going to roll one. I know. I know. That's, That's terrible. Painful. That's terrible. I don't, this, what am I doing with my life? This sounds awful. <laughs> but no, I, I think this superpower is really cool. It's very unique. It's, it's kind of like she's a walking incinerate. So, I mean, you can really, really get spicy with, I think, some of the things you can do with this, with her. And it puts her, I don't know about you, but in an interesting spot in terms of when I activate. Like, I like activating my two threat characters. You know, kind of when they don't, nothing really is going to happen. I know kind of what I'm going to do with them. But this is a character that I want my opponent to have activated a couple of characters. I want to identify a target and say, okay, I'm going to send Gabrielle up here to interact with that character in some way, you know, to be within range one of that character. And now when I activate X-23, when I activate Gambit, when I activate Colossus or whomever, well, now all of a sudden my likelihood of doing damage has gone up because they're rolling one less defense die. And if we're playing demons or if they're already incinerated, boom. I mean. Yep, exactly. Yeah, just the the things that you can wombo combo with her just seems really, yeah. really and, good. Like you're going to be able to just bump the output of some of the lower output models. I, combine something, combine her with something like, I don't know, uh, like Lockjaw or, oh man. or Craven with their plus one attack die just so your opponent activates their big hitter early in the game, early in the round, and kind of leaves them a little open. Well, then you run Honey Badger up there, and you put some stuff on her, and you blast them. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun. And I think it also, in terms of, uh, when we're not quite there yet, but when we talk about affiliations, right, like we can all assume, considering there's a glowing X on her shoulder, (laughs) that she's in the X-Men affiliation, right? So... I like the idea of playing her with Storm because one of Storm's biggest problems is that she can't really generate enough power to kind of get going quickly enough. And I think you have a Honey Badger character. You know, Storm's generally a character you activate later in a round anyways. So you have a Honey Badger character that can go up and and be within range one of that midline character of your opponent. And now all of a sudden Storm can move up and lightning blast someone and is more likely to do damage Therefore, getting that power and starting the train rolling with with Eye of the Storm and stuff like that. So I think that like there's a million different combinations of things that are going to work good with this. And I'm excited to see kind of the different ways that she's applied on the battlefield because I think that it's a really interesting and a lot of nuance that you're going to have with this character. And I think it's a character that you're going to see out there kind of regularly. Like I don't we're going to finish talking about the card, but we'll, <laughs> I, I think she's really interesting. So next up, we have another innate superpower here, Lil Sis. And it's not Little Sis, it's Lil Sis. 
All right. Mm-hmm. If an allied Laura Kinney within range three of this character is damaged by an enemy effect. So if it takes damage from bleed or something like that, that doesn't count. That's not an enemy effect. Mm-hmm. But throws, attacks, superpowers, that kind of thing, those are enemy effects. After the effect is resolved, this character may advance medium toward the character that damaged Laura Kinney. This character may move only once per turn as a result of this superpower. So I really like this too, because it says it's only once per turn, so let's say Laura takes a little chip damage from somebody on one turn, and then on another turn takes another little bit of chip damage, on another turn takes another little bit of chip damage. This is some insane movement. Potentially. So I like that. What do you think of this, Merzane? I, I really like it, too. I, I, I like the idea of maybe you activated Honey Badger, did something with her, mm-hmm. couldn't quite get her into melee or something, couldn't quite get her into one, maybe. Yeah. So someone attacks X-23 because, well, Gabrielle's already activated, so she's not going to hit me. Mm-hmm. So they, they attack uh, Laura, and then, oh, now Honey Badger's in range one of your your dude, and when Laura does activate, because now Honey Badger's going to take your second shot with two dangers to ignore... Uh, Laura's gonna be able to go in and hit harder. Mm-hmm. I, I really like. I like this idea for duo characters a little bit more than I like uh, the husband and wife. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of characters having innate powers with each other, and I think this one kind of it, it hits a, a sort of unique area, and uh, doesn't feel like overly powerful. But it's a single action. As opposed to you just get to activate it. It's just a free follow me every turn. Right, right. And I think one of the things I really like about this also is like something like this could be crazy if she could contest with objectives, but she can't. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's a nice little bit of balance there. And you still have to play within that range three. So you have to factor that in if you want to be able to use this and maybe something similar on X23's card. <laughs> and then she's got that all awesome. Healing factor one. So exceptional healing is online for Honey Badger, and I really like that. Yeah, I think healing factors are a very cool and very annoying superpower to deal with. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, the only thing that changes on her injured side is goes down to four stamina. So, Merzane, overall, what do you think about this character? What do you what do you see this character's role on the tabletop? I think uh, she's going to be used in pretty much every affiliation she's affiliated with, which, I mean, I'm assuming X-Men. I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. X-Force. But I think she's very useful in both of those for a lot of different reasons. Part of that just being the list building idea of needing a, wanting an affiliated two threat. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, splashable if she how splashable she is into other affiliations i think it's going to depend on what that affiliation wants i think she sort of creeps into this weird halfway between nebula and okoye design space Mm -hmm. so if you want someone that can protect your other allies you would kind of look at her or you'd look at okoye and if you want someone that's not going to be able to run off the nebula idea of run up and annoy people but don't threaten the objective yeah you're looking at you're looking at those two 
And I don't think she does either of those exceptionally better, but she does bring like ankle biter and the combination of those two ideas together. And I think that works. I think she's going to be a really cool option uh, with a little bit more utility than both of them, either, either one individually. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that. I, I think she's going, I think we'll see her used. She's not the next Okoye. She's not going to be used everywhere, but she's going to see play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think she's going to see play. I think, I think she's really, it's really interesting. Like she's not an assassin character like a Nebula. Like Nebula is designed to just straight up, if, if she gets rolling to be an assassin. Right. And, mm-hmm. and Honey Badger's not that. She's also not a bodyguard. She's not this like, uh, you know, tank that no, never dies, <laughs> uh, like a Koye. But she's also like, she's in an interesting kind of middle ground of characters that I think is maybe, maybe we have a new class of characters as of just this like annoyance character, right? <laughs> Like I'm all here for the annoying characters. Right. And and I think that she fits that super good. Like the the idea being that she's not gonna do any one thing super good, but she's gonna be really obnoxious to deal with. And mm-hmm. I think that that's valid. And that's why I think that if you are focused on some kind of attrition, maybe you want Nebula more. But maybe your style of attrition is to have some characters kind of be up the board a little bit, like a honey badger, you know, like whatever. And then you have these kind of big hitters that come in and and take care of things, right? Like, I could see honey badger having an interesting role in like a convocation team and having her kind of be up the field and then boom, you've got strange blasting from range trying to push through all this damage, you know what I mean? Or or making Baron Mordo's attacks that much better. You know, I, I think that there's just some interesting possibilities there. I also think that she's interesting in Web Warriors, because who isn't interesting in Web Warriors, apparently? <laughs> I don't think she's the best, don't get me wrong. Like, But I think the ability to put a slow condition out on people the ability to have too dangerous to ignore, and you're making the attacks of your uh, your friends that much more potent with ankle biter, I think has play, and a two threat character there. I mean, there's a lot of two threat characters in the game right now, and for a long time I played Okoye in my Web Warriors, and I think that you could play Nebula there, you could play Core Widow. You could play Bullseye and not feel bad about it. But I think that, honestly, Honey Badger is the most interesting two-threat character for the Web Warriors right now. Just because I I think she does something different and gives them a bit of tech that I think they don't really have and that could be helpful. And especially if you're running, like, Miles Gwen Venom, boom, you put Honey Badger in there, and now people have to worry about Venom's clapback that much more if they've got a honey badger within range one and i think that that's interesting it is she's also uh sort of interesting into web warriors especially if you can get like incinerates out right like, oh, absolutely web warriors your, your standard web warriors don't like 
rolling one less die, but they really aren't going to like when you incinerate them and make them roll an additional one less die. Exactly. Uh, also, for Web Warriors, you got to try Rocket. Oh, no, yeah. Look, Web Warriors... you got to try that Rocket. Rocket's great there. Yeah, so, you know, th- there's so many two-threat characters right now that are solid and have a ton of play. And so, like, when we're talking about Honey Badger here... I don't I don't think she gets lost in that fray per se, but I think that when you look at a character like a rocket as an example, like Rocket's stupid good in Web Warriors because of like the traps thing and you can pull people into the trap and trigger the mm-hmm. trap, like that's it's nasty. So like I, I get that and I don't think that Honey Badger is gonna now be this end all be all for for Web Warriors per se, but I, I do think that she's really interesting I, I don't think she'll be the end-all be-all for anyone exactly but i think she's going to be a great option and i think that's exactly what they should shoot for with characters you don't want an auto include everywhere character exactly. you want a character that's impactful in the affiliations that they're useful for but a consideration or not useful or usable in right and a consideration for the ones that they're not in yeah, and, and I think that that's exactly what they've done here with this character. Like, I don't see anywhere where I'm going to be disappointed with this character, mm-hmm. really. Like, if I'm putting them in positions to succeed, you know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah. One other thing I think that we need to talk about here, Merzane, because it is important to, I think, how Honey Badger is going to function, and a reason, I think, this is the reason more than anything, to take her out of affiliation than anything. And that is the tactics card she comes with, Jonathan the Unstoppable. So, strap-in suits for a wall of text. <laughs> it's a wall. But it's, it's just, just bear with me. We'll kind of we'll read it, and then we'll explain it. Jonathan the Unstoppable, unaffiliated, active tactics card so unaffiliated you can take it with any squad and it's active so it has to be on your turn honey badger may spend two power to play this card place a jonathan token within range one of this character while this jonathan token is in play it contests objective tokens as if it were an injured allied character If an enemy character ends a movement within range one of this token, remove it from the battlefield. During the cleanup phase, if an allied honey badger is on the battlefield and there is no allied Jonathan token on the battlefield, you may return this card to your available team tactics cards. This card may be played again this game. So basically, this is how honey badger can contest objectives. She can place this token, it counts as an injured character, and boom, she's contesting objectives. And then you get it yep. back if it goes away. So what do you make of this, Merzane? I uh, I really like the idea of her. I feel like the, the, the case that I would use is the most. You're either going to use it to to go on a like – she'll go off on the side and she'll throw it down somewhere and then just interact with the rest of the game while Jonathan scores you free points. Or – I think the really spicy thing is going to be when you when you send her in, like we talked about, she's really annoying. You manage to dislodge somebody, and you throw Jonathan down at the end of the turn. Exactly. Because it doesn't have to be during her activation. Exactly. So, 
she can go, she can activate, she can go and hit somebody, and then your your allies can finish them. And while they're dazed, or if you KO them, she could plop Jonathan down, and Jonathan can hold that point and get you a free point that you wouldn't have gotten from her just being there originally. Um, exactly. And then it's reusable. Every time he disappears for whatever reason, you, he comes back into your your inventory. Basically, he runs back to to Honey Badger to Gabrielle. It sits on her shoulder until she plops him down again. And I think that's a really cool, uh, really cool, like, flavor ability that actually, yeah. like, it's a really good play. It's kind of how I think Squirrel Girl should work, to be honest. <laughs> or Kitty Pride with Lockheed. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think that this is a very cool mechanic. I think it's interesting. We've seen a similar mechanic on the Mystique Brotherhood leadership. So. If you really want to get spicy, you can play a B shape and like or like infinity formula or something. And now you've got two of these tokens just hanging out out there, scoring you free points every turn. That could be fun. And I like what you said though. It's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna displace a model and now I'm gonna contest with Jonathan. And so while I said that it's an active tactics card, you brought up a really good point. It doesn't mean it has to be Honey Badger's activation. You just have to use it on your turn. So if Honey Badger's already activated and you're about to finish up your turn, you've got one character left, that character displaces somebody, Honey Badger's sitting there with two power, now all of a sudden she can put this Jonathan token down and you're scoring points that your opponent was probably banking on. So I, I really, really like that kind of thing, and I think that's kind of fun. And there's a lot of unique and interesting things that this, I think, is going to be used for. And I can't wait to see what comes up with it. But... It, this right here is a reason, I think, to take her out of affiliation is now, all of a sudden, you can put forth other resources to scoring points or doing other things that you would have otherwise had to leave. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah. I've played a good bit of CS lately and, and some foes, and having Mysterio just sit on a back point and not engage with the game sometimes feels kind of bad. Well, now all of a sudden you put this Jonathan token out there and he can get into the game a little more. You know? So I, it's just a random anecdote, but I think that kind of thing's fun. And one final note about this. Let me see what you think about this, Merzane. It's place it place this token within range one of Honey Badger. So if Honey Badger is range two from an objective and you place this within range one of Honey Badger, this token can easily be contesting that objective. So Yeah, that should be right. No, we're within range two? Yeah. If, it if, should be right. If she's so. within range two of an objective, and you place this token within range one of her, it can be obtest contesting that objective. Yeah, because they're about an inch wide. Yes. Three inches. Uh, range two is three. Yeah, it should be. Should be. Now... Do note uh, <laughs> that sometimes tokens are cut a little bit smaller than they're supposed to be exactly. or a little bit larger. So um, definitely be very careful and don't just say, well, I'm definitely doing this. So I get it. You know, talk with your opponent about it. Be cool. Be good people about it because I've seen arguments like that. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and <laughs> it look, should work. Sometimes it won't. I, I encourage you once you get – if you buy this pack – Get the token out, see, you know, make sure that that token is cut appropriately and that this kind of thing works. But basically, all I'm saying is it's within range one of Honey Badger, so use that to your advantage. 
when placing mm-hmm. this token. That's all I'm saying. Because yeah. the token doesn't have to be on the objective. It just has to be within range one, so contesting. So think about Another, that. sorry. No, that's all I'm Another saying. Another interesting thing about within range one, right? This is a different, this is a different range one. It says yes. the way you, you remove it from the battlefield is if an enemy character ends a movement within one of it. So that doesn't mean if there is a character within one of it, if he's gone. So we talked about, you know, like displacing a character. Well, if that displaced character is still within range one of Jonathan, Jonathan doesn't care. He'll stay there until they move. So you can throw Jonathan down on a scrap and have him stay there if no one moves or moves mm-hmm. away or moves towards him or whatever. If they move away from him, it's fine. Right. So yeah. if someone – and that only works on movements. I think there's ways that you can – I think that also includes places and stuff. But yeah. if that's the last thing you do in the round is Jonathan, you put them within range one of an enemy, they're not, he's not going to remove himself. He will stay. He will count as an injured character. Exactly. So if, so if they have an injured character, you can run across the table and you can plop Jonathan down and then no one scores that point. No one's scoring. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. So... With that now, that's all we're going to have on Honey Badger, and I think that she's a really interesting character, and I'm excited to see kind of what comes of her on the tabletop, because I think that that there's some really spicy play that can be done with Gabrielle here. Next up, let's now talk about her big sis, the one and only X-23, and let's start by first talking about the model and talking about how this Shuri-like contact point is definitely <laughs> rife for breakage. <laughs> it is uh, one of the most breakable models in existence. Yes. So I do love this pose, though. I think it's really cool. I will say, and this is just, you know, again, not every pose, not every model is going to be Green Goblin, you know, but... Mm-hmm. I do wish that she was like thrusting with her front claws and then like kicking with a toe claw or something. You know what I mean? Like I want to see the toe claws. Yeah. An homage to the toe claw would have been cool. Yeah. So that's my only thing with the model. But other than that, what are your thoughts? I think it looks good. I I think that if you, um, you put (laughs) fragility aside for a moment, um, it looks really good. It's, it kind of reminds me of a quicksilver. Quicksilver. Quicksilver doesn't break a lot. Yeah. But I feel like her contact point is a little bit smaller than uh, Quicksilver is. But um, we'll see. I, I I would not be surprised to go to an event and see a lot of X-23s actually just laying on their base <laughs> because they have broken either on the way or during a game. Yeah. Uh, but I hope not. Uh, hopefully people get to see this cool, this cool, because I think it looks cool on Quicksilver. She's a little bit more dynamic, you know, thrusting forward and attacking as opposed to just running off an explosion. Um, I think she's going to look really cool on the table. I agree. And now let's talk about what she's going to do on the table. So we have X-23 with an alter ego of Laura Kinney. And it's important to note here that this is the X-23 version of this character and not the Wolverine version of this character because they're, there are different instances where she's taken over the mantle in the comics, so I find that to be a very interesting route that AMG has taken here. So she has five stamina, she moves medium, she has size two, a threat value of three. She has a physical defense of three, 
an energy defense of three, and a mystic defense of two. And it's important to note that nothing changes on that top stat line or anywhere on her injured side. So pretty standard top line here. You know, five stamina for three threats, probably about normal. You know, the 3-3-2, three, three, and with more Mystic being in the game, you kind of raise your eyebrow at that, but I don't think it's too bad. Uh, what do you think? I think she, uh, I like Howdy Badger, I think she looks fine. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> I think that all of the Wolverine-ish characters have a two Mystic, right? So far, yeah. None of the either they all don't care about magic or they're all a little dumb. One of the two. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of those <laughs> one of those things. <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. But I think it, I mean it's fine. I, I don't think she's a tank character. Um you know, I don't think any I don't think either of them are that we're talking about today. I think yeah. she's gonna survive most things fine. Yep. Um and I think she's mostly gonna be looking to live off of one of her other abilities. Yeah. And not her pure defensive capabilities. Completely agree. So what are her attacks? So she's got two attacks. Uh, the first one is a physical range 2 strength 5 builder called Adamantium Slash. She gets power equal to the damage dealt. She has bleed on a wild. And then she also has wild pierce, which means that when you attack with her, if you roll a wild, you can change one of the defending's crit, wild, or defense results to a blank. Love. So... Gets her get an extra success basically through her on her attack. Yep. Her and second, I will say it's important to note that the pierce happens last after yep. after the defender figures out what they're doing with their dice. Like if they do any rerolls or anything like that, the pierce is last. Yep. Uh, don't let it um, also surprise you if someone has like martial artists and they count blanks. This will be an ineffective. Uh, a very ineffective yes. thing to happen. Uh, it does not take away a success. It changes a success to a blank, so it can still count as a success. Yep. Um, Anyways. Her second attack is a physical attack that is range three, six strength, two power, called Claw Rush. After it's resolved, she may advance medium. And it also has pierce, so both of her attacks have pierce for potentially a little bit extra damage. Mm-hmm. And then being able to move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of like this little attack suite here. It's very good. It's very solid. It's very reminiscent of Baron Zemo. Yeah, and I particularly, if we're talking about how Honey Badger's spender was kind of lackluster, I kind of really like Claw Rush. Claw Rush is fantastic. Range 3 with a medium move on 6, six dice? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. And you, it only costs 2. So if you don't spend any power round one, round two claw rush is up and ready to go. Yes, and I love it. I think it's a it's a really really good attack. I think it's one that you'll see her use very often and gives her some pretty crazy mobility options. I think, which is really fun. I, I like characters that are hyper mobile. Oh yes, yeah. I think um, I, I think the two of them feel pretty surprisingly mobile together. I think that's really good for them. Yeah, and as opposed to Wolverine, who feels like a tank almost, like he feels like he wants to be big and beefy and then run in. She feels like she's going to move around a lot. And yes, I feel like it fits her character really well. Yep, I completely agree with that. And I will say though, you've definitely got to pay attention to this when you're thinking about the Honey Badger and her little sis ability, where 
it still has that range three limitation. And so the, the amount of movement you're going to be able to get off a claw rush could mess up your placement there. So you definitely have to be cognizant of that if you're trying to lean into that strategy. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, I like that it's range three. I like that it's a medium advance. And, and I'm not glossing over Adamantium Slash because it's a fine attack too. And as we're going to see with some of her other things here, I think that both of these attacks are, are going to pay some dividends, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. But Adamantium Slash is a solid builder for a three threat. Exactly. But the exciting thing on her card is definitely that Claw Slash. The Claw Rush, yeah. Absolutely. Claw Rush, yeah. All right, so now let's talk about her superpowers. So she has a reactive superpower called Frenzy. It's going to cost you two power. If this character dazes or KOs an enemy character with an attack during its activation, this character may use this superpower. After the attack is resolved, this character advances short, then makes an adamantium slash attack. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So that's kind of like the angelic assassin that Angela has. And I kind of like that. Like, I mean, it's just a nice little way for her to kind of get some extra damage out there, which I think is what she's going to be focused on doing. And as we go through the rest of this card, I think she's going to be a character that's like other three threats and lower. Three and two threats are going to fear her because she is going to chew through them, I think. Yeah, and I I think another cool part of Frenzy, talking going back to Claw Rush, is if you claw rush someone and, and kill them and pay for frenzy, you can do your movement first on claw rush and then do frenzy and move again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can end up going very far to attack a second person with that adamantium slash. Exactly. Potentially uh, your second action. It's That's amazing, I think. And, and I think that that's exactly what's going to surprise people is the amount of distance that she's going to be able to get from something like that. Which, oh yeah, she she's gonna be very mobile. <laughs> yeah, very mobile and like oh bullseye back there thinking he's safe. Nope. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, flip off off of your guy's forehead and then uh, jump onto yours. Exactly, you. that's exactly it. She has another superpower here. It's an innate superpower. The rest of these are innate superpowers. Adamantium skeleton. When determining if this character can be thrown by an effect or special rule, or when it is colliding with another character or terrain feature, this character counts as size 3. We've seen the same thing with Wolverine before, so basically, if she's thrown into something, she counts as size 3. If things are thrown into her, she counts as size 3. So, you know, all the fun things. I like it when characters count for bigger things. I think we only have Wolverine that does that, but still... Throwing bigger things is always more fun. And this turns off characters' throws like Valkyrie or stuff like that. So very, very big chain or very nice thing for this character. It's harder to displace her. Yeah, it, it's cool on Wolverine. And it's going to be just as cool for all the same reasons on her. Exactly. Uh, the only thing I wish is she could do something like a pounce. She could throw herself. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. But alas, she has assassin training instead. Mm -hmm. And assassin training, this character may re-roll one die in its attack or defense rolls. Yes. Like, I'm about this life. 
rerolls are some of my favorite uh, extra abilities. That extra little bit of consistency makes things just go such a long way. Right, and it's only reroll one, so like it's 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 just a nice little thing. And like regular Wolverine wishes he could reroll just one die. <laughs> Uh, any character that can't re-roll just one die wishes they can re-roll just one die. Right. But this is this is really nice, and it's going to push that potential to trigger the frenzy and stuff like that even that much higher. And I'm, I'm here for that, you know? I'm, I'm super here for that. I really like that kind of thing. I think it's going to propel her, uh, her, her five die and six die attack are going to go a lot further than you think. Off that, you'll be able to get your pierces and your uh, bleeds a little bit more often. Mm-hmm. And she'll be a little bit safer. Like her 3-3-2 isn't nearly as uh, sad when you get a reroll to, to help you get another success every now and then, help keep her safe. Yep, just ask your local Web Warriors player how much that one little reroll helps. <laughs> yeah. So next up, we have Big Sis. So as opposed to Little Sis, we got Big Sis. If an allied Gabrielle Kenny. Within range three of this character is damaged by an enemy effect. After the effect is resolved, this character may advance medium toward the character that damaged Gabrielle Kenny. This character may move only once per turn as a result of this superpower. So, all of a sudden, Honey Badger is using Too Dangerous to Ignore, and X-23 is moving into Kill People range. Mm-hmm. I love it. I just yeah. love it. I, I, I love that that back and forth that they can do. Yes. And and it helps them to also stay within that range three of each other. So you can continue to trigger this. And then so obviously Honey Badger has a hard time scoring points other than with Jonathan. But X twenty three now all of a sudden, oh, you thought you were safe scoring this point, did you? And attacking my two threat character. Well, guess what? Now I'm up here with you. And we're both contesting it, and nobody scores. Ha ha! Jokes on you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I kind of love that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, look at the, oh, like, I don't know about you, but I've done that thing where I sit there in the game. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna score. I'm scoring this. I'm scoring this. I'm scoring this. Okay. All right. So points are that. Okay. All right. Good. So I'm gonna do this, and then my opponent's like, okay. So now I'm gonna do this, and it's like, crap! I thought I was gonna score that. Oh god! Every every single every time. game. <laughs> <laughs> at least it is like that for for me and and it's you know it's just the nature of the beast and then last up we have an innate superpower the final one healing factor of two so if you don't finish her off she's coming back yeah and she's gonna be real upset real upset loaded with power it's gonna be awesome so yeah i i've i like this character quite a bit and I think that for the first time in quite a while, we have a character that is really, really kind of playing that assassin role. You know what I mean? Like she is, she has mm-hmm. assassin's training, but she's legit a straight assassin of of the smaller level characters. So, like, let me ask you this, Merzane. One of the, mm-hmm. the knocks on a character like Angela is that she's an assassin, but she's a five-threat character that handles low-threat characters really well, but the bigger-threat characters, not so much, right? Yeah, I, I could agree with that. And and the cost to add Angela to your squad, and let's not, you know, if you're putting her in for, for extract jank, that's a different thing, but the cost for putting her in is five versus a character like this who is going to fill a similar role. It's not the same, it's not exactly the same, but similar role is now all of a sudden a three threat 
I, I just, I really like that. I like a character that if I'm going for attrition, if I'm trying to, to move around the board, score some points you might not have thought I was going to be able to score, and then trying to, to just murder face, I kind of like it. Yep. And um, you're talking about going from a five threat to a three, th- uh, to a three threat. That leaves you with just enough threat to get, I don't know, a two threat. One that maybe works pretty well with her. Yeah, maybe someone that and bites ankles. Bites ankles. <laughs> uh, and then like, on top of that, I think a good thing, a good space that they're in is that X-23 doesn't replace Angela. Oh, not so at all. Yeah. There's still reasons to take Angela. She's still fantastic and she does some slightly different things in slightly different ways. Uh, so there's still reason to take her. So we have a character who fits a similar design space as her and Nebula too, who's also like this pure assassin. And I don't feel like I look at X-23 and say, well, she's a better or worse assassin than any of them. She still does it different. I think that's, I think that's so good. I think it's so good that they can hit similar roles amongst multiple characters and have them all still feel relevant. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. Like I don't, I don't see one as better or worse than the other. They have overlap, but they also do different things within the context of what they're going to be on the tabletop for, right? Like, you put Nebula in your Sam Spam, and you run her out there right away, potentially. I don't know. You know this is one of the strategies I've seen. Run her up to the middle right away, and then hope your opponent dazes Nebula, and now you're getting your out-of-activation movement with Sam Spam. All kinds of different things, and then, you know, Nebula goes and shock sword assaults people, and it's just, you know, bad times. And... I think that this character is going to be functioning a little differently in that you're not going to be able to just run her out there. Like she's not made of glass, but she's also not going to be a character that you're going to want to have just sat in the middle of the board, taking all the, all the damage. Yep. Most definitely. So, so there, there, there's a lot of interesting things I think you're going to be able to do with this character. And you're going to have to get used to her. I think that she's a character that finding the times for the claw rush, for the frenzy, and, and keeping her safe-ish is, is going to be important because I do think she's going to be able to do a lot. And she's going to be able to score you points kind of unexpectedly, which I think is going to be really fun as well. And it's, it's interesting because let's talk about affiliations now because, again, X-23, we can assume X-Men. <laughs> Okay, so she could be an X something X something, right? Like I'd love for her and Honey Badger to be X Force because my God, they need it. But like, let's just assume X-Men like I really like the idea of her and X-Men with some first class action, you know, grabbing Mm -hmm. that objective early on and then having that extra power. Now Claw Rush is online and, and all that stuff. Like, I think that that's really fun. And then I think I like her going into like a Sam Spam style list where you've got kind of lower defensive characters that can, you know, that you can maybe capitalize on trying to get those dazes and KOs for a little frenzy, you know, or Web Warriors characters, you know, I think that's kind of cool too, but Web Warriors are a little harder because their physical defenses are pretty good, but still, I, I think she's just really interesting there. Yeah, or, or into Guardians, right? Like, yeah. Guardians, uh, most of them aren't particularly survivable most right they typically like to run a lot of dudes so her being able to hop between a few of them with uh with someone like honey badger backing her up sounds pretty good and then even like tanky characters like 
if you bring Honey Badger, her Pierce, and then the Honey Badger, and the reroll, like she she can she can punch up pretty well. I think so her too. And her sister can do can do some crazy things to people. I, I like that they both have really cool things that they actively do, but they also have a lot of like subtlety to them. Like the adamantium skeleton and the re-rolls and the pierces and the ankle biter and all that stuff. And they're like their big little sister. Yes. They got a lot of stuff like you're not going to look at their card and immediately get it, but neither is your opponent. Yes. There's going to be things that you'll do that your opponent's going to be like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't, I, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's exactly it. And I think that now we can have a little bit of a discussion about X-Men finally in in a real way where like okay we've got X-23 Honey Badger assumed X-Men you've got Colossus Gambit Rogue right and now that includes all the original X-Men you know Cyclops and and uh, Wolverine Storm these other characters Beast I think that there's a real case like a X-Spam it is kind of a thing you could do now. I don't know how effective it would be, but it's a thing that you, you can try to put on the board. And the way X-Men works is going to be kind of interesting now with these characters. Like, you know, X-23 here is doing kind of what you would want the original Wolverine to do. Whereas it's like, get in there, harass, try to get a couple of dazes and KOs on some smaller characters while the rest of your team kind of methodically moves up the board, scoring those points getting those first class points, stuff like that. And I think that a character like this and like Honey Badger, who, when I look at their cards and just kind of how game flow tends to go, I expect both characters to relatively be flush with power. Would you agree with that, Merzane? I, I think they, they definitely can be. Uh, they've got good attacks, and they're somewhat survival. If you're not killing them, they're healing themselves. And... Uh, that's given them power. So yeah, they, they definitely have the potential to, to not have the power problems. Someone like Wolverine does. Exactly. And what, what leadership with X-Men favors a lot of power? Are we talking about Cyclops? We are. Are we talking about, are we talking about Cyclops? So it just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm here for it. I love so, so the conventional wisdom, since X-Men have been out for a while, is, you know, Storm's leadership is the better leadership. And it is, overall, I'd say better, okay? The, the place effect is wonderful. The getting cover, wonderful, right? All of this stuff is stuff that you want to have. However, I think Cyclops' leadership was always hampered by the fact that he was a four-threat character. All of the other X-Men characters had all this crazy stuff that they wanted to spend their power on, so it was never really effective as a strategy. But I think that we are finally seeing situations, these two characters, Gambit, you know, Colossus, you know, they, they all have stuff that they want to spend their power on. Rogue, Rogue's a character that should... By in, in my experience, seeing her on the tabletop, uh, shout out to Adam from Blackfire Productions for playing a lot of X-Men lately and watching his games with her. Power for days, right? So yeah. you can, I think, reasonably field a Cyclops-led X-Men and feel pretty good about it because now all of a sudden you're able to funnel that power 
into a 52-card pickup on Gambit or a Optic Devastation on Cyclops. And I, I think that, I really think that there's something there, especially given these cheaper characters that you can just fill your squad with. And and so I'm I'm kind of here for that. And let's also not forget that there's a card coming called Versatile Strategy. I think it comes in the Juggernaut box that allows you to change your leadership mid-game. So turn one, you play Storm. Turn two on, you can switch to Cyclops and now all of a sudden you're blasting people. It, or you know, And it doesn't have to be turn two, but I'm just saying like, I think that we are about to see a rise in Cyclops X-Men because you're going to be able to have characters that are going to have plenty of power to funnel into his leadership. And I think that that's interesting. And when you look at characters that like these two that want to play within three of each other as it is, well, now all of a sudden they're playing within range three of each other and they're able to kind of use that leadership back and forth on one another, potentially, for that claw rush. Now she's saving power for Frenzy or for another claw rush, you know? Mm-hmm. I kind of really like it. And then I'm I'm also just thinking off the top of my head here, Cyclops is a good character in his own right. Like, he's got some problems, but, like, Field Leader <laughs> is a great ability. And now you can Field Leader a Honey Badger into Ankle Biter position. I'm here for that. Yeah, he can help them keep up with each other. Talking about, oh, I, I moved one just slightly out of range. Well, Cyclops says, no, they are in range. Exactly. So I just, I don't know if it's going to be competitively effective or not, but it's definitely something that as an X-Men fan, and I know a lot of people came onto this game right when X-Men came out, and and there's been just, you know, the, we as content creators, Rosane, we, we kind of get caught up on like our little echo chambers, right? And Cyclops is not a bad character, but it's definitely like that kind of, well, Cyclops just isn't as good as Storm in terms of leaderships and all this stuff. And I think it's just because we didn't have all the tools yet. And now I think we're getting, you know, like we've got our, our Allen wrench over here. You know, we, we've got our, our, our jigsaw, you know, we, we've got our, our hammer and our nails and our circular saw ready to go now you know what i'm saying I, yeah I've, I've said since the beginning i think that all x-men needed were either good spenders to use the ability for that are in affiliation or people who could be the power battery a couple people that could build power pretty well and you can make that a that affiliation bonus a little bit better and they don't have to be fantastic spenders like you don't need a pennant stare to make no, that yeah. useful you need you know, Claw Rush is very consistent. Um, yeah. It only costs two power, but it's really great once you only have to spend one. Or something like an out-of-affiliation option, I thought, I've been thinking a lot about. I've actually been independently thinking about this a lot because I like Cyclops too. Nice. <laughs> uh, Black Cat. Like, yeah. A very similar reason that Claw Rush is good is that it costs two, so it only costs someone else one. So round two, you can do, like, these two to get, like, X-23 and Black Hat together, one of them can help the other pay for their their things. Like Black Hat can stagger someone real quick and then move on to a point and have another power left over because they both want to have as much power as possible. Mm-hmm. Then X-23 could do a claw rush and get in and then attack again and build some power. And then next turn, she can help Black Hat pay for her ability again. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then that's exactly it. Is there's like these fun little things that I think are going to to be very interesting. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, I'm I'm here for it. I think this is going to be really fun and. You know, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't say that I think that X twenty three could be in uh, Web Warriors, but I just I don't think she can. I think I think she's, you could put her in real. and you wouldn't feel bad about it. She's got enough mobility and stuff, but I think you'd rather have other options. She's got the reroll though. I know she's got the reroll. Yeah, you got the re- you got the reroll. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> so last thing before we get into the show questions here, because we are running a little long, and it's the Wolverine's Tactics card that comes with this character. It's unaffiliated, it's active. James Logan Hallett and Laura Kinney may spend three power each to play this card. While James Logan Hallett and Laura Kinney are within range two of each other, they cannot be pushed or thrown by enemy effects. They may re-roll any number of attack dice, and after an attack targeting either of them is resolved, the attacking character suffers one damage if it did not daze or KO the target character. This effect lasts until the end of the round. I think it's a fun little flavorful character, but it's not one I see myself playing very often. No. I, so. I do like the idea of hearing uh, Wolverine go, Grr, I'm with you until I on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So now let's talk about some show questions. We have quite a few of them today. So let's start with Sure Thing. Similar to Rocket and Groot, when would you play one of the sisters and not the other, or are they always a package deal? I think you can legitimately play either of them based on kind of what you're trying to go for. I think in X-Men, I'm playing both all the time. I think out of affiliation, Honey Badger might see more play than X-23, but I think X-23 is interesting in places like, I think, Cabal. She'll have power for days there. I think uh, Inhumans is an interesting option for her as well with the added reroll stuff and like the pushing power around stuff. I think that's kind of fun. So... I think that there's interesting places that you could see X-23, but I think Honey Badger will be the more taken out of affiliation option. What do you think? I kind of agree. I think like with Rocket and Groot, you almost always take Groot with Rocket, but you you, simil- you typically see Rocket outside of um, outside of the Groot package. Mm-hmm. I think you, you will see both of them pop up independently a lot more than you see Groot pop up independently. And they're going to be, they're also going to be pretty good to get. I don't think they're the same kind of good because Deadly uh, Deadly Duo is incredible. It just swings a game by itself. Yes. Um, but they'll definitely they definitely like like we were talking about earlier. Like they, they really feel good together. Um. So I think I think you will see them splashed outside as a package yeah. into other affiliations. But you'll tip. I think you'll more typically see them outside of their own affiliations separately. Yeah, and, and I think. I think you're right. Honey Badger more so. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate that. But uh, I also think that, you know, who knows where all they're going to be affiliated. Like, I don't know where all they're going to be affiliated. If they're affiliated in A-Force, I think you see both of them together in A-Force fairly regularly. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to be. I think they'd be pretty spicy in A-Force. I didn't even thought about them in A-Force. Yeah. Like, I think that's super good. So next up, we've got Rylan. Why would you ever take Wolverine over X-23 or Honey Badger? And... Man, it's I hate a good to say question. This. It's a great question, but f- never. Like, uh, ra- I mean, I just I don't particularly love what Wolverine does, even though he's apparently the best at what he does. It's just okay, and like, 
I would rather have that role on the tabletop filled with X23 or Honey Badger. Yeah. You know? So I say or and it's you know I'll take that combo and okay yeah it's one more threat but that's a combo I'm okay with you know what I mean Mhm So I don't know what about you I I kind of agree I think Wolverine's sort of in an awkward spot like four four threat characters are weird and I feel like more so than any other any other point cost in the game they're super hit or miss mm-hmm. and Wolverine's a bit of a miss I don't, and I don't think he needs a lot to feel great. He yeah. just feels slightly behind. And then these two, you know, they do very similar things for cheaper, and then together they feel like a very good cohesive package for one point more. It's also two activations. So I don't know. I and like you want to bring like you know exceptional healing for Wolverine, but then you're bringing him bring that for one character most likely. But if you bring both of them, you can bring exceptional healing, and you feel like you're doing more because you got it for two characters. You know, yeah. I, I think that, and like, I, I think that Wolverine just—he's just in an awkward spot. He's in an he's awkward in spot, and I think that like the only reason why you would do it is if you're trying to use fastball special for something, and, and like if you yeah. have a play that involves fastball special, sure. But like other than that, I don't, I don't see it. Or if you want to bring all three of them, so you can do like the Wolverine, yeah, card. Like, like and, and that's to that. say, like, there's nothing wrong with. Wolverine per se and if look if you want to play him you want to have fun and you've had fun playing him then absolutely do it and it's just like in a casual setting and I want to play Wolverine yeah sure I mean okay fine bring him over these two if I'm talking like even slightly competitive I'm probably not taking him at all and bringing these two so yeah there you go um Rylan also says do either of the sisters do anything for Cyclops leaderships uh yeah see about five minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) we just had a pretty good conversation about that yeah where do you see them shining outside of the presumed X-Men affiliation? So, like I said, I think Honey Badger is interesting in Web Warriors. I think I think she's interesting kind of anywhere. I think, you know, somewhere like Steve Vengers getting the discount on the Two Dangers to Ignore is kind of okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not something you're going to be doing a lot. I think in Sam Spam she's super interesting. Uh, Honey Badger is. I think in Sam Spam, actually, mm-hmm. both of these characters are pretty interesting. Yeah, very potentially, I think. You know, I think uh, I think they're both interesting in Midnight Suns. Like, Midnight Suns, you kind of don't want to splash a ton of characters in there. But I think these two have some interesting things they can do with Bump. I, I've been thinking a little bit about Honey Badger. Yeah. Less, less so X-23, because I feel like there's other threes I'd rather take. But yes. The, the two slot is pretty open, because none of the twos are, like, oh, like perfect. Oh yes, this is the, this is the two that you must take. Um, so she she's definitely interesting, especially for like your Siege of Darkness turns. Exactly. You can activate her, move her, and then activate Siege of Darkness and just really kill that one guy. Yeah. Um, it's like there, there's game there. Um, I think I was kind of thinking like Brotherhood for Honey Badger because they got a lot of like they really want to kill like a, a guy or two or Black right. Order even Black Order with Honey Badger seems kind of neat. Yeah. X-23, though, I don't see splashing as many places. No, I don't think so either. But I, I think that there's some, some cool things you could do with her. And that's just off the top of my head. Now, that's not to say that, like, I, th- I think she's one of those models. It's like this, right? You're not going to feel bad putting her anywhere, but you might not get the maximum utility out of it. Right? Right. Fair? Okay. Yeah. 
I, I, two threats. I feel like it's almost required that your your list has to have two threats, at least one. Yeah. So when you're looking at all your two threats, Honey Badger's in that conversation. So you're going to take her. Yeah. But then when you look at like three threats, there's it's such a long, long, long list. X twenty three isn't immediately at the top, so there's gonna be a lot of times where she just gets overlooked. Exactly, that's exactly it. So, next up, we've got Jara says, "Will this be the first pack that isn't surprisingly good in Web Warriors?" Quote unquote. And uh, no, Jara, see my earlier comments about Honey Badger. So ha, I said there's a way. Uh, Jara then says, "Okay, then re- revising the question." How is this pack surprisingly good in Web Warriors? Because I'm not seeing it. And I think it's just it's just one of those things where it's like I've played Web Warriors in a lot of different configurations and having a honey badger with that little ankle biter with two dangers to ignore is just interesting. And it's something that I can see being beneficial. And I haven't actually put it on the tabletop yet, but I do think that there is some play there. So yeah, X23, eh, less so, but whatever. Next up. One Absolute 277, or Matt, as he's affectionately called. Since we are getting Wolverine clones, when will we get Clone Saga Spideys? I'm all here for a Ben Riley Scarlet Spider. Like, I'm about that life, but I don't see it coming for a while. Yeah, oh, mm. yeah I feel like Spider's got a good bit recently and exactly. i feel like it's gonna be a minute I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's like their next release though that'd be amazing here's a uh, shadow marble says now that we have another amazing affiliated three in x23 and a great affiliated two in gabby do we think that there could be a rise in the leaderless x-men roster i do see that as a possibility but i think that with what we talked about earlier with Cyclops and then Storm is still fine. I think Ankle Biter with Honey Badger kind of synergizes nicely with some Storm stuff to where I think you're still going to want that leadership with them, but I do think an unaffiliated X-Men thing or leaderless X-Men thing could be interesting because they do have enough pretty good tactics cards to make some fun stuff happen. I, I, I typically don't look very much at leader leaderless stuff like i think you know there was a time when leaderless spider foes was really cool because green goblin was actually a detriment to be taken for four points right Uh, i i don't feel like cyclops or storm are that bad i mean they're not the best but i don't think it's that bad and i think their leaderships are a nice little benefit that you Either one of them, you know, you're going to miss them being gone. Like, I think the ninja flip is super good. And I think the cover is very relevant. Absolutely. And very key matchups. I think, like, I don't know. I just, I don't see the point. I think the only reason you take it is first class because you can't take, to me, my X-Men. And what other affiliated tactics cards do they have? Just first class? Uh, first class. And then I think that it's like the, the Jonathan, the Unstoppable, Wolverines, that kind of stuff. Like, you can bake some of those other things in there gene but why would you take gene if you're not taking cyclops and then (laughs) mental domination if you're taking gene i i I see what you're saying and i I, I don't see a reason to take them as as not an unaffiliated option like why would you not just play unaffiliated and play the best characters right if you're only going to be using it for first class because there's definitely way better things in first class yeah i'm with you so 
Next up, we've got Spider J2. Would your opponent question your sanity if you ran X23, Gabby, Wolverine, Deadpool, and Sabretooth together just to use exceptional healing? And then, as a little addendum, Rylan says, Lizard and Cassandra Nova want to tag along too. And uh, no, I don't think that'd be crazy at all. And I think it sounds super fun. I made a list not that long ago that was nothing but stealth characters, and it ended up being Sin affiliated cabal and i didn't think it had an affiliation when i first built the list but that's because i'm an idiot but like i mean doing fun stuff like that that sounds fun as hell and yeah someone might question your sanity but if it's fun as hell who cares i, I think that that's an unaffiliated list that could be very annoying yes absolutely <laughs> oh, i didn't kill your guy he just comes back yep uh and then we've got uh nathan Biangle. i hope i said that right who else do you think will get grunts um other than what we have announced right now, I mean, I just, I really have no idea. Like, we talked about, a lot about that earlier, about possible AIM and and Doom bots and, and Ultron bots and House Party Protocol bots. So, who knows, Bodoc. honestly. Yeah, I, I, I guess Red Skull with Cabal guys or something. I don't know what Cabal guys would look like. Yeah, um, I don't even know. But, maybe Police? Police would be a cool, like, is there any, like, Police Commander characters in I the mean, Marvel Universe? Uh, like you're getting into Batman miniatures game territory there, and I'm just I'm yeah, like, I mean, I know I'm just like whatever. Can, like, I guess it opens the door to random stuff like that, but like I, it, that also opens the door for just about anyone to have random stuff like that. Like I think we talked about the big ones, but like I I can't think of anyone else who's just who's just known for having a bunch of idiots walk around with them. Exactly. So next up, we have some other idiot. Speaking of idiots, with a question, mm-hmm. uh, how many characters need to be on the table for it to be considered spam? This is from some rando named Merzane. I don't know who invited him, but here he is. Why is he in this Discord? <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. Anyways, uh, I I don't know. I think it just, I think a lot. Just whatever. Like if you feel like it's a lot, then that's spam, right? I mean, is there a definitive number? I don't know. I just I, I see people talk about like I remember when Sam spam was the. The, the boogeyman. I saw people talking. I see people talk about like five wide Sam spam lists. I'm like, what's really spam? Is it like, like what? Like that's just like normal. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what was your opinion? You know, when you look across the table and you count how many miniatures your opponent is putting on the table, let's not include grunts in this list. What what would you look across the table and think? Well, that's a spam list. Um, I don't know. Like six or six. Six or seven. Six or seven sounds like spammy, yeah. But eh, whatever. But for me, I feel like six is a wide list. Five is normal. Six is wide. Seven is when you get into spam territory. Yeah, sounds to about me, fair. That, that's kind of where I'm. And it, it's a little point cost dependent. Like if you can get six at fourteen or fifteen somehow, like mm-hmm. some random act of God, like that's that's probably a spam list for that point cost. But yep. I don't know. <laughs> that was a. That's definitely, I feel like, a, a personal... It's, it's a personal question. It's what is, personal. What is your personal yeah. What's your personal idea of spam? So, next up, we have Nate, the one and only Nate from the Gamers Guild. Check out his new podcast if you haven't already. Groot and Rocket are often referred to as two parts of a five-threat character by AMG, but when... But between... Between to the butt... I don't... Nate, English better. Come on, man. Rocket has seen the table more often solo than his friend do you think that these two are similar and that they do much better together than separate 
and which one of these is more likely to see table time solo. So I think we already pretty much covered that. They are different from Rocket and Groot in that, like we talked about, Deadly Duo is a thing. But like we said a few minutes ago, I think Gabby is li- likely to see more table time. Yeah, between to the butt, I think we'll see more right. Honey Badger. Yeah, between to the butt. Uh, Panzer Harris says, who's the best sister act, Gamora and Nebula or Laura and Gabby? Well, I'm going to be weird and say Gamora and Nebula because they come with medpack. <laughs> 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 if we're talking about which pack, yeah, probably. They, they, yeah. I think you will get more use out of Nebula and Med Pack than you will these two. Yes, but uh, I think that these two together as a combo, sister combo, I think they're better. I think, yeah, I think they work better together on the table. Yeah. So next up, we've got Qualisterian. I hope I said that right. The X Men affiliation list is now, or shortly will be, 13 characters. Even if you were to make an all-affiliated roster, who do you cut from the list? Wolverine. Gene. Gene. And Cable. Uh, oh, I can, I can see Cable. I can see Cable. I, I can see Cable. I, I can see Cable. I can, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, Cable is my boo, man. Like, Cable's my boy. I I feel bad saying that. But, like, for real. But you might be right. You for real. Right. Like, because what? There's... I think I think it's Cable. Wait, is is Deadpool an X Men? No. Yes. That's no. I don't think he is. I don't think he is. Yeah, he's not. Uh, I may have said Deadpool, but he's not an X Men. Um, you might be right. It might be Cable just because he's so high costed. Yeah, I, I mean, if you think Magic, about maybe? who Magic, is she an X Men? Uh, she's not a f- listed yet. Yeah, so we don't know yet, but. That's the thing. I definitely wouldn't cut her out either because she's super good. I'm just thinking there's so many three and four threats in that list and Cable's like... I feel like having one affiliated fire threat is nice. Yeah, but that's the thing though. Gene and Cable both, I don't feel like they they do the five threat thing well enough. I do think it. that with Ankle Biter, yes, Cable I think, looks really good. I agree with you. I agree with you. But in terms of like right now, hot take. Hot take. Well, yeah, if we're hot taking, get Cable out of here. <laughs> get him out of here. Yeah, yeah. Get that boy on the bench. Nate Gray, go bye bye. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Next up, Sandbox. Since we are on another wave of mutants, what mutants would both of you like to see added to the game that aren't announced or out? All right, you get one, Merzane. Which one? Oh, it was Gambit. I'm, I'm satisfied. Oh, there's no other, other mutant. mutant. No other mutant. I, I guess Apocalypse. Okay, like, fair. That one would be probably my next my next one. But Gambit, I got Gambit. I could never, X-Men could stop being released and I'm happy. And you're happy. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, it's going to be, is she a mutant? I don't know. I was going to say Lady Deathstrike sounds cool. I don't know who that is. I don't think she's a mutant. She's not DC. So then, uh, so since it's not a mutant, I'm going to go with Marrow because I think that would be a super cool model and could have some super cool abilities. So there you go. There's so many cool ones. All right. Schultze, how is it even remotely plausible that a genetic mutation can cause you to shoot lasers (laughs) from your eyes or control the weather? Make it make sense. Uh, Schultze, I got it right here, okay? I got comic logic. Boom made sense you're welcome 
I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say uh, none of these things are happening. It's all a shared hallucination caused by the X gene. <laughs> this is it. Yes, it's all a shared hallucination caused by Professor X's crazy stuff. And that's it for questions. So, uh, Merzane, where can people find you? Uh, so, I run a little podcast called Advanced R&D where we get together with people and we force them, I mean, ask them nicely to make somewhat jank lists with restrictions and we build the podcast. We build the list on the spot. Love it. Super fun. I've been there. I've done that. It's a great time. We're there. It was very fun. Yes. So, yeah, make sure to check that out. Give Merzane some love. And uh, if you're interested, you can check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. It's a dollar a month, so 12 bucks a year. And you get access to our Discord channel, which is the chillest place on the interwebs, I promise. And we have a lot of good discussions over there. Get show questions asked, all that good stuff. So uh, if you're interested in something like that, supporting the show, you can come check that out. We'll be doing a new giveaway soon. Uh, we're probably going to do do this Mutant Wave giveaway. I just haven't quite figured out what I want to do just yet, but it's coming. So be on the lookout for that. And if you have an opportunity and your platform allows it, please leave a review. It uh, really helps us out, helps us grow, helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way here. And uh, yeah, just spread the good love suits and be on the lookout for an upcoming merch drop that we're doing and i got some really fun cool things planned for that so that'll be coming up here very soon so be on the lookout there and you can send us messages at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com find us on our facebook page send us messages leave comments whenever we make a post i love seeing what you guys have to say and uh, let us know what you think of everything that uh, merzane and i talked about today and uh, with that, party on, Zane. Party on, Will. And power down suits. Suits.